They do a great job. Good job. Thank y'all so much for leading us this morning as we continue to rejoice in our risen Savior. Our children, our older children are going to be dismissed to children's worship. And we're going to take a few minutes to consider even more deeply from God's Word about this Savior in whom we rejoice, the Lamb of God slain for the forgiveness of our sins. Y'all can stay if you want to. For those of you that remain, if you have your Bibles, please turn with us to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, kind of an odd passage of Scripture for Palm Sunday, but I think that it really ties in perfectly with Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem. We consider the importance of Palm Sunday. We need to be reminded not only did Jesus come into Jerusalem, but for all of those who've given their heart and life to Jesus Christ, there has been a day when Jesus showed up in your life and made a difference. And today we're going to discuss, consider, and pray through what it looks like for Jesus to show up in your life and in mine. Stand with me, if you would, in honor of God's Word. We're in Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And I'm going to read the first 12 verses. And when he returned to Capernaum... After some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. (coughs) And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they, that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier To say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this Let's pray. Father God, I pray that we could leave amazed, recognizing that we've never seen anything like this. Thank you that you have come. And on this Palm Sunday, Lord God, we celebrate your willingness to ride into Jerusalem facing your death for our salvation. Be honored and glorified to meet with us in your Holy Spirit as we consider your word further this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning... You're going to have to get like a 20-minute sermon from me, which I hear is what some people do every Sunday. So maybe I can start a new habit. The forgiving Savior. What does Jesus bring? We've just heard wonderful things from our choir. We've been challenged to consider the blessing and the joy of our Savior. But what is it that Christ brings? Today is Palm Sunday, a day of hope. Today we celebrate the arrival of Jesus into Jerusalem as her long-awaited Messiah. We memorialize that great day when Jesus rode in. But even as we celebrate his arrival, we also reflect upon the fact 
that his arrival would ultimately not fulfill the expectations of all who welcomed Jesus. They wanted a king on a white horse, but instead they got a Messiah, the son of a carpenter, on a donkey. Isn't that the way that life sometimes works? Our expectations go unfulfilled. The first Palm Sunday sermon I ever preached was at First Baptist Church of Duncan, South Carolina. And I preached a sermon that the search committee here at Malvern Hill heard on CD called Unfulfilled Expectations. And that's exactly what Palm Sunday was for so many they waved the palm branches, and as Sloan reminded me in my office just a few, ma- a few minutes ago, they shouted, Hosanna! Hosanna! He's excited because he's learning about palm branches, and he waves them with his hand. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! But the blessedness that they were giving was the expectation that this one would rescue them from the power of Rome. What they had no way of knowing is that he came to do more than rescue them from the power of an earthly totalitarian government. He came to rescue and redeem them from themselves. He came not to unseat Caesar. He came to unseat the the king of self that we've placed on the throne of our own lives. He came to be king of kings and lord of lords and the day is coming when one day he will reign supreme even as he does know now spiritually. Jesus is the hero that our hearts long for. It was C.S. Lewis among many others who helped us to understand that the reason that we long so much that we enjoy and love hero stories so much is because we are in desperate need of a rescue. Jesus is the ultimate hero. I get frustrated and bothered sometimes with our hero movies today. They walk in these dark areas that make me so frustrated and uncomfortable. Even J.R. Tolkien's Hobbit franchise was destroyed by the movie that made it into this dark and ghastly universe instead of the wonderful, glorious children's novel that it was written to be. From childhood, I enjoyed Batman comic books and Adam West as Batman and Batman movies. And yet, here lately, we see Batman being this dark figure that is so unenjoyable and unapproachable by our children. And yet, even in the midst of that, there is a realization Because we all have this longing for heroes and an understanding that comes out in one of those movies when Batman is described as the hero not that the city wants, but the hero that his city needs. Jesus was not the hero that Jerusalem wanted on Palm Sunday. But can I tell you, he is absolutely the king, the savior that you need today. In many ways, Jesus is that hero to the Jews, and he is that hero to us today. He is the hero we need, even if we don't always realize it. He was that hero that they needed but didn't want on Palm Sunday when he arrived in Jerusalem. But listen, in many ways, he is that same kind of hero every time he has arrived anywhere in all of history. Throughout his earthly ministry, the people always wanted Jesus to give them what 
healing and powers and glorious gifts. They didn't long for relationship and opportunity to have an intimate encounter with Christ. What can you do for me? And in our world today, it gets even worse. What have you done for me lately? Jesus comes to fill much deeper longings in our life. Tell me this, what happened when Jesus showed up in your life? What changed? What was the difference? You see, Palm Sunday is a celebration of Jesus' arrival. It's also a recognition for us to acknowledge that not only did Jesus arrive among the sinners, but the sinners were welcomed among Jesus. Jesus interacted with those who would eventually crucify him because he is that kind of Savior. There's four things I believe we can find from this passage in Mark chapter 2 this morning that show us the forgiveness of Christ, but also teach us and help us to understand what happens when Jesus shows up. What happened when Jesus showed up on Palm Sunday in Jerusalem more than 2,000 years ago? What happened in your life for those of you who are followers of Jesus on the day that Jesus showed up and saved you? And what is happening right now for those of you who may today for the very first time be encountering the love of Jesus Christ? The first thing we see that happens is that when Jesus shows up, he brings hope. When Jesus shows up, he brings hope. The Bible says that he, he returned to Capernaum. Jesus is always arriving somewhere. Do you see that? He arrived in Jerusalem once upon a time, but before that he went back home to Capernaum. And when he got there, the people were excited. It's not like when Jesus showed up in Jerusalem, they waved the palm branches, Hosanna, welcome, here's Jesus. It's not like it's the first time that Jesus had been treated to a hero's welcome. When he got back home into Capernaum, after he'd been ministering for a while, the Bible says the people were so anxious that they crowded into his home. And it was so thick with people that nobody could get in. Jesus brings hope. Because when Jesus shows up on the scene, people understand that something is different. Anything can happen on that day because Jesus is present among them. The Bible says that the people uh, came and they, they flooded just like ants in an ant hill. Why? Because there was hope for those who were suffering. But there's one particular person in this story that stands out, isn't there? There's one man. In your Bibles, most of them tell us, have a title this passage of Scripture, that Jesus heals a paralytic. This is a story about a man who could not get himself anywhere, but was instead carried by four of his friends. Hope arrived in the person of Jesus, and the hope for this man was that possibly, maybe, perhaps, just like he cast out the leprosy from the leper, maybe this man can give me strength in my legs and I can walk again. Hope had arrived. The teachers hoped for something in his day. The Bible says the scribes and Pharisees were gathered around. They wanted to learn. The sick hoped to be healed like this man did. The demon-possessed hoped to be freed. And four people saw hope for their friend. Don't miss this. It wasn't just that this man had hope. There were four other people in the world that had hope for this man. Who do you have hope for today? Who do you long for? Who is it that you long to see Jesus make a difference in their life? Do you know that Jesus hears your prayers? Do you know that the, the prayers of, of God's people make a difference in the life of the people who do not yet belong to Christ? Do you know that the faith of God's people can have an impact on others as we beseech Him, as we beat on the doors of heaven? Jesus brings hope. When Jesus shows up, things change. The light comes on. The sun begins to shine. 
On Palm Sunday, hope arrived into Jerusalem. Has hope arrived into your life yet? Do you have hope? Do you have an expectation that things can be okay? That forgiveness really exists for you. So the first thing that happens is Jesus brings hope. The second thing, Jesus brings forgiveness. When Jesus showed up, he brought hope, but he also brought forgiveness. Now, I want us to notice that there were four men carrying this one invalid. Four men. Now, they had hope for his healing, all right? Now, they had such incredible hope. The Bible teaches us they tried to get in. Nobody would get out of their way. Now, you want to talk about rude. Everybody, oh, look how rude. Listen, I don't know that it's everybody's being so rude. This is just the one sick man. All the other sick people are looking at this guy, and they're going, look, I'd love for you to get healed, but what about me? Okay? Let's, let's not miss out on the fact that Jesus is surrounded by needy people. Folks, listen to me. When we get serious about doing the work of the Lord, we are going to be forced to reckon with people who have lots and lots of needs because those are the kind of people that Jesus is all about being around. Did you show up here and you say, I don't have my mess together and I don't fit in here? Can I tell you that if you don't have your mess together, that's exactly why you do fit in in this place? Because Jesus is interested in those kind of people. He takes the kind of people who've got all their stuff messed up and he says, you know, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, for I will give you rest. These four folks show up. They got this guy on a bed, some sort of cot. They're toting him in. They can't get in. They say, you know what? We're not going to give up. We're going up the steps. We're going onto the roof. Now listen. This is no easy undertaking. If you read in your commentary, some of your Bibles, it might seem to suggest that this is kind of an easy thing. They could stand on these roofs. The roofs were used for working, sometimes for cleaning. The roofs were sturdy structures. It's not like they went up there and they moved a couple of leaves out of the way. Listen, they got up there and they worked to get this guy lowered down into this place. Now, Mark doesn't give me some of the things I want. I want to know, like, what's going on with Jesus? Like, the roof's caving in. and Does Jesus just keep right on teaching, you know? Is, Jesus, is everybody like sweating what's going on? But Jesus is Jesus. He knows what's going on. He's like, let's see how this all pans out. I don't know. But I know that these people worked diligently to get their friend healed. So they work. They get him up. They drop him down. Okay? Out of the heavens, a man is lowered into Jesus' presence. And Jesus looks around. The Bible says that he saw their faith. Do you see that? Whose faith? Their faith. I worked really hard on this one this week. Do you know nobody wants to deal with this? Nobody wants to really deal with this. How is it that Jesus saved on account of their faith? This encompassing faith. Now we recognize that no one is saved without their confession of God's salvation in their life. All who call the name of the Lord be saved. But the Bible says that he had compassion on this man. That he was moved because he saw their faith. Do you know that your faith, your faith can be the catalyst for the salvation of those, who you, lo- those you love? Jesus never saves anybody against their will. But... It is absolutely certain that the saving work of Christ can originate in the faith of a loving friend, family, co-worker, parent, cousin, babysitter. Tell me this, what are you willing to endure to see those whom you love come to Christ? 
Jesus brings forgiveness. Now the people, the men who carried this guy, they were anxious and anticipating Jesus' healing. But instead, the Bible says that because of their faith, Jesus forgave him. Now did Jesus suddenly forgive him against his own will? Absolutely not. I like the way that Timothy George writes this. He says, God created human beings with free moral agency. And he does not violate this even in the supernatural work of regeneration. Christ does not rudely bludgeon his way into the human heart. He does not abrogate, abrogate our creaturely freedom. No, he beckons and woos and pleads and pursues. He waits and he wins. The faith of these men brought him into the presence of Jesus. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. When people encounter the face of Christ, when they see Jesus as he is for who he is, their hearts are changed and drawn and they are saved. Not because they don't want to be, but because they want all that he has. Jesus brings forgiveness. Now, look, in our English translations, we read, Son, your sins are forgiven. But the word order here in the original language is incredibly important. In the original Greek, the first word in this sentence is forgiven. Forgiven are your sins, son. This is a word that Jesus doesn't even use when he calls him son. For anybody, almost back up, for almost anyone else in the Gospels except for his most immediate disciples. This is a word that would not have been used by a general teacher to the general public. And yet he looks at him and he calls him his son. But the first thing he says is, forgiven. Why? Because this man is not to be known primarily by his sins anymore. He's not to be known primarily by his past. He is to be known by the work of Christ on his behalf because Jesus shows up to bring forgiveness. Son, your name is changed. Forgiven are you. Forgiven are your sins. I wonder if this guy picked up a nickname on that day. Maybe his buddies that had lowered him back, lowered him down into that place began to rib with him just a little bit. Jesus changed your name. Your, your new name's forgiven. That's what we're going to call you from now on. You know what happens when you meet Jesus? You stop caring what anybody else says because everything's been changed. But Jesus wants to make sure that the world knows that this man has encountered Jesus. And when Jesus shows up, Jesus brings hope. Jesus brings forgiveness. Third, this morning, Jesus brings healing. Jesus didn't stop with forgiveness. Folks, Jesus can put the broken pieces back together. Now, the scribes there, the religious leaders... Uh, they said, why does this man speak like this? This is blasphemy. Now, they, they were saying this in their hearts. Jesus interpreted. Jesus knows this. Jesus experiences and feels this in his, in his divine nature. So Jesus says, Psh, let me handle this. Because look, Jesus simply saying, your sins are forgiven. Y'all, that's like you coming to me and you saying, hey. And I say, hello, dear brother. Your sins are forgiven. And they go, oh, really? How do I know? Well, Jesus has just made a pronouncement that has no way of being tested, okay? This is like a really good politician. There's no way that we can actually test what has happened. We just have to take it at face value. But Jesus says, just so you'll know that I have the power to forgive sins, watch what I'm fixing to do. You, rise, take up your bed and walk. Go home. Why did Jesus heal this man? In this particular instance, the Bible tells us that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. 
The Bible says that he immediately got up and he left. Folks, Jesus brings healing. Now, in this case, Jesus healed to prove his authority to forgive sins. But can I tell you that Jesus brings healing because he loves his children. You know, sometimes when we talk about sin, we mess up because we only talk about the wrong actions of sin. And we talk about the need for forgiveness of sin. We talk about the brokenness that sin brings emotionally and spiritually. Folks, can I tell you that sometimes sin just breaks us. Sometimes because of sin in the world, we just experience brokenness. And Jesus comes to put the pieces back together. He comes to make all things new. Do you recognize that what he did to this man physically is what he did to him spiritually? He made him new and whole again physically, and he had made him new and whole again spiritually. When Jesus forgives us of our sins and brings us into relationship with him, the only thing that Jesus is, Jesus is doing is making us into that which we were already created to be. He can put broken pieces back together. Y'all, wouldn't it be enough if Jesus only forgave us and allowed us to experience eternity with him in heaven? But he's not satisfied to leave us even there. He forgives us and heals us. Do you hurt today? Is your life a mess today? Do you know that Jesus can bring you healing? Jesus can bring you hope and forgiveness. Jesus didn't ride into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday so that our children would have cute stories to tell. Jesus didn't come into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday so that Sloan could make a craft at preschool this week. Jesus rode into Jerusalem to save his people from their sin. And he will heal you today. When Jesus shows up, he changes the world. Finally this morning, Jesus brings amazement watch he rose and immediately packed up his bed and he went out before them all so that all were amazed and glorified God saying we never saw anything like this do you remember what this this scene was like when he showed up that he couldn't get in you remember that they're toting this guy in they're trying could y'all let us through dude get out of the way no we don't have time for you we're listening to Jesus we need what Jesus has to offer Jesus heals this man and all of a sudden this dude's able to just pack his stuff up and just walk right out where did all the people go? You know what all the people were doing? They were doing this. You know, we don't hear anything else from the scribes, do we? Not another word. Why? Because they didn't say anything. Folks, do you know that sometimes there just aren't words? Jesus brings amazement. Jesus didn't bring that which the people wanted. You ready? But he still left them amazed. Jesus still does that today. I really want to preach to y'all for about 45 minutes today. There's a nursery full of children the children won't mind, but the people that are keeping that nursery, they won't rise up and call me blessed like the children of Proverbs 31. They will rise up and murder me. 
So we're, we're, we're going to bring this thing to a close right here this morning. But I, I want to challenge you. No, let's not challenge anybody. I want to invite you today. You see, Palm Sunday is about the arrival of Jesus into Jerusalem. It's about the, 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 the really the next to last step on Jesus' path to the cross. This initiates the whole process. It's not the first step, okay? Jesus has been working toward the cross for his entire life, really, and especially throughout the three years of his ministry. Right? But, but Palm Sunday is the beginning of Holy Week. It, it shows us that Jesus is here among us, among his people. He shows up to do the job. Can I tell you, though, that Palm Sunday is not just the arrival of Jesus. Palm Sunday, like any other day, is the invitation for sinners to come. Jesus came among these sinful people so that these sinful people could come to Jesus. And Jesus comes today and invites us on this Palm Sunday to have hope and forgiveness and healing and amazement. Folks, there's nothing more amazing than a life changed by an encounter with Jesus Christ. You say, Jesus couldn't do anything with me. There is no hope, and I'm here to tell you today that if you'll give it all to Jesus, the people in your life will look like the scribes in Jesus' day, slack-jawed and speechless, because Jesus can take that which is broken and put it back together. He can take that which is sinful and make it healthy and whole. He can even take what you don't know that you yet need and meet you right where you are. The gospel is very clear. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And as a result of our sin, we are separated from God. And we all deserve punishment in a real place called hell. But Jesus came, lived a perfect life, and died on a cruel, rugged cross that we've sung of this morning so that we might not have to spend eternity separated from Jesus in a real place called hell. And he comes today in the presence of his Holy Spirit. He meets us through his word and he invites us. Come ye sinners. Come to the arms of Jesus. Next Sunday we'll celebrate the resurrection of Christ. This Friday we'll remember his death and burial. But today could be the day. That you speak not of Christ's death, but of Christ's meeting with you and of your new life. As Kevin leads us, would you come today? Would you receive Jesus, all that he has to offer? Would you come just as you are, broken? Perhaps you have been carried this far on the prayers of those who love you. And maybe today is the day that you finally step up off that stretcher and you come to Jesus. Maybe you can't quite get there by yourself. 
Maybe you need to grab that person beside you and say, could you walk with me to receive Jesus today? But today can be the day. Lay your burdens down. Watch what Jesus does. He gives you new legs and new life. He gives you hope and a future. He changes the world. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you'd work through the power of your spoken word this morning. I pray that you would draw us all closer in the power of your spirit. That Father God, as we turn to you, Lord God, that we would meet you even as you have met with us right here. Move among us. Change us. Amaze us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand.